thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. It definitely was a little bit harder to pull the production together. Made me appreciate all the hard work TJ usually does, but this was a phone call with some of my friends who volunteered to hand out food in New York um, over the peak of the COVID outbreak. Um, We just did a Zoom call and we had quite a few difficulties along the way. Uh, Local recording didn't work out, mistake on my part. And then the Wi-Fi quit halfway through our Zoom call, so we kind of had to piece together two different recordings. So, some great content, but sorry if it feels like the quality isn't great and a few sections might jump around a little bit. But, hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of the Shro Bros Podcast. It is a good one here and something really special. We have not one, not three, but two guests on the podcast today. Um, Really good friends of mine. Uh, The first one is Kendall Mast from Pennsylvania. Dude is a T3 graduate. He's alumni of Live Team to Morocco. He's like a buddy to everyone in his hood, a professional ultimate player. Anything you want to say, Kendall? Hey, Patrick, it's it's really good to be on here. Um, I'm excited to, yeah, talk with you and hang out with you and yeah, hopefully inspire people to uh, yeah go out and do things. But I I feel humbled. I'm not necessarily a professional a player, but disking for life, boys. <laughs> That's right. And the other dude, also a T3 graduate and director of Lib Team, Stephen Bowman from Michigan. Hey, it's um yeah. I feel honored to be able to be part of this podcast and. Yeah, I guess we'll see what comes out of this. I guess we'll send it. <laughs> For sure. First time I've ever been on a podcast. Oh, what a deal. What a deal. All right. Well, the reason I wanted to talk to you guys is because you guys have been in New York for how long were you guys there? So I got there April 2nd, and I came back to PA from New York City April 29th. And then I had a two-week quarantine here with my team in PA for the last two weeks, and I got home. Um, last night, which would have been the 13th of May. I got home that evening. It's like a month plus like 10 days, 11 days. Yeah, something something like that. Whoa, cool deal. And Stephen, like what were you guys doing in New York? So I actually, I guess I I would have technically gotten there two days after Kendall did. But yeah, what we were doing is um, it's a organization that I started called um, um, Anabaptist COVID Response mm-hmm. and we were we were take, giving meals to um, healthcare workers that are, were so super busy with the coronavirus and also distributing groceries to needy families. Nice. So like Kendall like what was it like when you like first got into New York? Did it feel like a lot was happening or it was a little interesting because I didn't really get to go into a lot of like places where there were a lot of patients. It definitely was strange being in New York City. There were there was like no traffic when I first arrived, and we could tell a, ch- a change by the time we left. The traffic did start to pick up, but when it was when we first got there, places there were not a lot of people on the roads, and just it was kind of empty and dead. And it was weird seeing New York City like that. I had been up there a few times before, and it just yeah, it was totally different. Like it was nice to drive around with no traffic. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, and then at the hospitals itself, it was strange because 
yeah, they, some places had set up like tents outside and places had set up two ERs and yeah, it was kind of a crazy inside some of the hospitals. Oh man, that sounds interesting. Huh. So like, what was the path for you guys going from like normal life to ending up in New York? Like just in like a minute or so, like what was it to go from one to the other, like Steven and then Kendall? Well, it was, it was pretty, if you could say crazy, um, how fast everything happened. I, I would have first found out about it. Um, it would have been Monday. And then by that Saturday, Monday evening, I would have first found out about it, that they were trying to, that there was a need for food and for people in New York city to, to distribute food. And by, yeah, that Saturday, um, I was on the ground. Kendall was there before, but yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy because, you know, like everything happened so fast and like, you know, one day you, you totally, you were just, you know, we we're working at home and stuff. Um, we kind of quit our job for the most part. And then all of a sudden we get these messages and that, you know, there's a need and this is, it was just like, boom. And things changed so fast. And here we ended up in New York city. I remember being in New York city and I was just like, man, like, a week ago, I'd have never thought I was I would have been here. Yeah, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Huh. Kendall. Yeah, so I work at a coffee shop, and so we had actually gotten closed. Like my last day working there was actually March sixteenth. So when I found out about it, the opportunity to go to New York was March thirtieth, which was two weeks later, mm-hmm. and I was up there April second, which was Thursday. So in about three days, four yeah, four days, I guess. I got up there um, Monday evening. The the message came through at around 1600, and then I think Tuesday morning I was working at a, helping at my friend's market stand, yeah. and I did a Zoom call with some people to figure out details. So that's kind of how quickly it moved, it progressed. And then I actually was thinking about going up Wednesday morning, but then we didn't quite have lodging figured out, so we decided to take one more day just to figure out lodging for sure and some other details. And then I went up Thursday morning and got up. I left, I don't know, around between seven and eight and got up there between around nine thirty, ten o'clock. Wow. That is crazy. How fast it moved. And I even had zoom right at the beginning of it all. The place where we all live now. Um, so for Steven, like was the work you guys were doing, did it feel like you were really filling a need for those people? Was it pretty necessary? Yeah. It just, I mean, so like, like Kendall said, like the first couple of days that like we had, we had to do some groundwork and get, um, find contacts and stuff. But once we established those contacts, there was definitely, uh, people were very appreciative and there was, you know, some, some EMS stations that they were like, Hey, like, thanks so much for bringing us food because like our guys, like specifically one, I think it might have been station 20, maybe like correct me if I'm wrong, Kendall, but they were they were saying that yeah, um, it's their workers could hardly get food because there was everything was closed. There was like maybe the only option might have been like Wendy's, which was like you know a ways away, and it was just yeah, like it, it was they were so busy constantly going that they they didn't have time to grab food. And a lot of these healthcare workers, the only option might have been like McDonald's, which included a long wait. Um, so yeah, they were definitely very appreciative for for any food they would get. That's really cool. 
uh, for Kendall, that kind of along that same line, like what was the attitude of most of the people you met? Like, were they pretty freaked out and anxious about this whole thing or were they just life is normal? Like what was the vibe of most of the people? It definitely varied. Um, some of the, you know, people in the streets you would see around, they didn't necessarily seem as concerned. The healthcare workers definitely um, were more like just follow the rules and wear the mask that way we can get out of this sooner. Um, and especially like, yeah, the people in EMS stations and stuff would like, they weren't as like freaked out. I would say the EMS stations were a lot less chill as far as like they weren't even wearing masks in their station and stuff. Um, but as far as people freaking out, I didn't necessarily see a lot of people freaking out. I think the biggest thing that people were freaking out, especially near the end and even the next couple of weeks here was because of lack of food, maybe um, lack of funds because people were starting to run out of money, that type of thing. But I didn't see a lot of um, concern for the virus itself. But the, the one guy, the one story about that, if I can cut in here with the story real quick about that, Send it. <clears throat> the one, the one guy, EMS worker, he told me that he didn't really think about much about the virus at first and he wasn't that concerned about it. And he had a family in New York city with him. And then he actually sent his wife and daughter to Colorado, I believe it was. And the reason he sent them there is because he, he kind of had, he lost a friend to the virus and mm -hmm. This was not a sickly friend. It was not an old friend. It was a, actually like a marathon runner, pretty much. He ran Whoa. all the time. He was like peak health. And he went from like that to a week later being dead. And that's when the guy was like, this is a real thing. This is a real threat. I'm going to send my, my family away from the city. So like that, like they took precautions, but they wouldn't say he was like, he wasn't laying on the ground in a fetal position scared. Yeah. Dude, that is really interesting how like just one personal experience can change your attitude about it and it like brings out the separation of it too because like i have not lost anyone close and it's made my attitude a lot more casual towards it i think that's one of the biggest things about um separating the two different sides of this whole thing as far as people responding different ways because some people are very not concerned about it and might be getting more anxious about opening things up but there are a lot of people that have lost, you know, close people to them, close friends and stuff. And those are the type of people that, you know, are more concerned about it. Yeah. Cause it's more real, I guess. Mm -hmm. We should be careful not to disrespect their opinion. Cause yeah, it's been really traumatic. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of what I wanted to hear from you guys stories. So thanks for that little one. Uh, Steven, do you, we'll come back to you then Kendall, if you got another one, but, uh, Stephen, do you have uh, any stories, like a memory from the time in New York? Yeah, so um, I guess Kendall, he was kind of more in charge of the, the meals for the healthcare workers. And then I kind of took on the side, the grocery box side, which was just get yeah, groceries for like a box of groceries, like I don't know, 40 pounds or so mm -hmm. for families. And specifically, I guess one story would be there's one church that we dropped off really regularly um yeah a couple times a week or at least once a week and there is it it was in corona corona new york which is kind of rather ironic it got For that sure. town that town got hit pretty hard with coronavirus and yeah the one day i i was running a little late 
And when I got there, there was a huge line of people. And he said that they were waiting there. I got there like, it was, yeah, kind of, kind of stung because I got there a little late. I, it was like 3.30 by the time I got there. And he said that there was people waiting there since like 8.30, 9 o'clock that morning, which means they were, you know, waiting for a good six, six and a half hours or so. And then also he, he mentioned one of the guys we were talking to him and he was saying that just a couple blocks from there, they found there's like six bodies found. They were all together. And I'm guessing there was like homeless people and, and they were pretty sure, you know, they're just Corona patients um, that hadn't gotten to the hospital. Like, you know, there's homeless people or something that for some reason, like they didn't, he didn't know for sure, but yeah, there was like six bodies. They were like all together just, yeah. And they yeah. found them, which that was, that was pretty sad. Um, they get picked up pretty soon then? I, I don't know a whole lot of details to be honest, but yeah, that's just, he was, that was one of the, he was a helping the pastor there and, and he was just, we were talking about the, you know, the coronavirus case there. And he mentioned that, but yeah, yeah there's definitely a lot of people. It's pretty crazy. Cause, you know, everybody, you know, wearing a mask and um, people were really glad for these boxes. Like they, mm-hmm. as things progressed and they, you know, people found out about it and like the lines just kept getting bigger. And like the last mm-hmm. last week we were there, the line was actually last drop off I, that I did um, when I was there. We just went and helped. We actually had the truck come there directly, and so we helped. You know, he just dropped dropped a bunch of boxes off. But there was like about three, three, three and a half blocks. Like the the line was that long. Like just with people sad. waiting. So it was, we we very likely like we didn't have enough boxes for everybody. Um, oh, I was man. pretty pretty certain that. Like seeing the line, I was pretty sure that you know that we weren't going to give everybody a box. It's going to be kind of discouraging. So we acted more, more or less as a distributor. Um, we would like give it to you know churches and different mm-hmm. people, and then they would pass it out to their neighbors and people that needed them. Yeah, that's actually really smart because like hopefully they, the people living there, know who really needs it most and can distribute it wisest. It worked. It worked out pretty good because we were uh, we were new to the area. We didn't know we didn't know the churches or anything. And so we we're actually there's several churches that we were working with, Mennonite um, churches there in the area that they had they had these contacts. And so they had you know they gave us contacts. Um, one of the pastors there he gave us con- he gave me contacts for like different like other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was pretty cool how we were able to go in and empower the churches that. Were, that were already there uh, reach out to their own neighbors and people in the community. That is really awesome because like sometimes it is exciting to come in and like you get to be the one that's the superhero and handing stuff out yourself. But like, right. um, it really is wisest to give the spotlight to someone else sometimes. That's really cool that you guys did that. Um, yeah, Kendall, you guys got a story. You have a story, sorry. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy, but the last couple of times I've been on trips with the, I went on a live team trip and also this trip. The one thing that God always shows me on these trips, I think is just his ability to provide and the way he works things out. And it's just so cool to see him work and just the little things, even just, yeah, just making connections for us and just 
providing the right people at the right time. One, uh, one time this happened, we had, so we usually did distributions on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Um, that's when I got shipments for the um, lunch boxes for the hospitals and EMS workers. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I didn't quite have them all called for um, the day that they arrived. So the next day we would deliver some. And one day I didn't, yeah, I didn't add a few extra boxes. I don't know if I should say extra boxes, but I had some boxes that weren't called for yet. And I was just going to kind of drive around the different hospitals and say, Hey, could you use these for your workers? And it just so happened that I stopped at one and we delivered a f- like four boxes and we were about to head to the next one. And I got a call from one of the hospitals I had been contacted with before. And she said, are, are we going to do a delivery today or is that tomorrow? And I said, tomorrow. And she said, if you have anything that you could bring today, that would be amazing. And it just so happened I had like probably 120 lunches wow. in our in our truck right then or in our van. Sorry, we had 15 patch of vans. And so it was so cool to be able to provide that because she was yeah. so stressed out. She was like really stressed out. We They had a bunch of extra people from FEMA working at their hospital, a bunch of extra people on shift, and sh- she had nothing to give them. And so she had to send them across the street to McDonald's where there was like a half block line and that they were kind of upset and stressed out and she was stressed out. And then I got the ability, the, the chance to pray with her. And it was really cool because oh. she was like, she was almost in tears by the end of the prayer. She could hardly talk. And it was, it was like, it got me fired up to be able to like provide her with exactly what she needed and how God provided the way. Dude, that is awesome. That's just like those old George Mueller stories with the orphanages and the bread truck. <laughs> and stuff. For sure. For sure. <laughs> That is really And the timing, like the timing couldn't be better because uh-huh. if we were to go into like one or two more hospitals, like within the ne- next 15 minutes, we could have all this given out and I would have no. Yeah. And that would be so yeah, stressful was, as, go ahead, Stephen. Uh, oh, I was just saying, yeah, um, with what Kendall was saying, like it was definitely really awesome to see Guy working uh, numerous times in just similar situations like that. Like the, the one day, um, it was kind of my bad. I didn't get the, one of my contacts i i had her on my schedule to give drop off like i don't know, 50 boxes or so mm-hmm. um she she was she was operating like an emergency food pantry because i guess a lot of the food pantries actually closed due, oh. due to the coronavirus and so like people were having a hard time people that you know are used to going to food pantries were having a hard time getting food and anyway so i called her morning of that i was going to come mm-hmm. um it was kind of my yeah i guess procrastination or whatever but um she she was just like oh man like she was just like thank you so much like she 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 said that like it was like an answer to prayer for her she said that later on she said that 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 was the first the only day that she was afraid that she wasn't gonna have food to cover that day Whoa. and then like just like that i called and so like it was, it was pretty <laughs> cool to see um answer prayers and stuff like that essential workers <laughs> Dude, that would be really cool to like it, like humbling to see like god working through you actually to help those people mm-hmm. um man and you're like so stressful for those hospital workers imagine having like a bunch of dedicated employees who are like putting their lives on the line and you can't feed them man i would not want that job um yeah I think one of the hardest things was they had been getting a lot of donations, I think from different people. And for some reason, all of a sudden that week, like they got nothing like that few days there. 
and that's kind of like because like i mean they are they don't really expect a lot of food i guess mm -hmm. but they try to do everything they can for their workers especially over that time yeah well okay and also you guys are like being supported by like a whole army back in pennsylvania like packing all these boxes right oh yeah man it was that was like one thing that fired me up a lot like just <laughs> seeing seeing the anabaptist community work come together like this like there was like so many different organizations that came together and formed one organization acr and it was like so cool like to see like money f flowing freely through it and everything mm -hmm. like donations going in and that's what we kept people saying kept telling telling people that they would they would thank us and we we're like dude we have a we have a bunch of people a mm -hmm. uh, huge support group and yeah like that that was that was that really fired us up too just to i mean it was humbling too just to see you know 500 people or just like god the people behind us praying for us and and giving donations and and actually doing the the hard work back in Pennsylvania packaging these foods, uh, these boxes, and and they were they were amazing, especially the meals for healthcare workers. They had they even had frappes in them, <laughs> and wow. they really this is deep like a lot of a lot of them did not not all of them, but yeah, they yeah. they were amazing. Dude, that would be really cool because yeah, a lot of one pre-made lunches you get actually are kind of meh, and that's all right. Usually they're at a time when you like actually want it, but like yeah, something like a frappe is yeah. so cool in there. Yeah, it was a lot of like, what were all different organizations like helping out with this? Kendall. Um, there are quite a few different ones. Um, if you want to look up our website, our website is anabaptistcovidresponse.org. Um, okay. If you look that up, it should be on there. I think, yeah, you, could you put a link to that with the podcast? Yeah, I'll it see would, if you can do that. Um, in the description the link will be in the description you know um, what's up <laughs> but yeah the we actually partnered with a lot of other grocery stores as well um even costco was in on it if you look on our website they're listed as a donor they wow. some of the drinks and like the coffees and stuff that would be in some of the things were kirkland signature so shout out to big big brands getting involved as well um and we also had some local smaller uh, businesses to giving giving food as well and it was it was really amazing how much love went into each um, thing and how much you know, just seeing everyone work together was so cool. And yeah, like I said before, six different organizations, I believe are on the website and like all of them coming together to share resources and share information. And just, I think it's the first time that I know of in the history of the world <laughs> uh, <laughs> that this many organizations like from the Anabaptist world have worked together so mm -hmm. smoothly and efficiently to um, accomplish an end goal and bless a lot of people. Ecumenical Don't quote me on that. For the win. Dude, that is really cool. So anyway, yeah, thank you so much for sharing those stories. Um, I think we'll kind of start winding down with like usually what is our final thing, just like a conversation starter. Question for you to think about, like get to know people around you. Anyway, um, the one for this week is like, what is, you have something to say, Kendall? I was going to say, if I can, sorry, I was going to share one little thing yet. Yes, send it. Um, one thing along with the love that I said in the boxes, they actually, the workers said they could feel that when they opened the boxes and they saw how they were packaged. And that was one thing that was really encouraging. Another thing to think about, this is just, I guess, for each of you, people who were involved, who were listening, and also maybe who were praying for us and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a t part of our testimony is that the 
some of the people up there, the nurses and EMS workers actually said this to a few people in our organization that they were wondering how the church was going to respond to this whole crisis. They were wondering how the church was going to respond to COVID-19. And for us, for our organization, and even for me personally, to be able to tell people that we actually went and did something mm-hmm. and like we reached out and we you know, touched other people's lives instead of focusing on ourselves mm-hmm. and being selfish over this time is mm-hmm. a huge testimony for our church. And they even said that they said, thank you to your church and the people behind you that you were willing to do something for other people over this time. This is true for sure. I just want to make sure I get that in there. Yes. I, I think it, it saddens me when the government has to be the one to be there for people. Um, I think God intended for us to be the church. Um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you guys off. Stephen, is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, I kind of echo what Kendall said as well. Like there's, there was, yeah, different people. Um, there was someone told that, to, said something like that to me as well. She was like, I'm so glad that there are some churches that are actually doing something about it mm-hmm. and i think she had she, she's like that's all i'm gonna say like i guess i guess she was i think she might have been kind of um not too sure what to think about, about some churches that were just kind of talking about this stuff and just sitting at home um so yeah i, I think it's i think it's great like um i think god i think like crises like this is an excellent opportunity for the church to reach out. And I think COVID-19 is um, exceptional. Like it's, it's, there's so much, so much opportunity. Mm-hmm. People are so scared and so many people are fearful and like people are, um, yeah, there was, there was people committing, committing suicide. There was one instance where one of a young, a young EMS worker, he was fairly new on the job and he got so overwhelmed and he ended up committing suicide, which really affected all the all the EMS workers throughout New York. They're kind of a pretty close community as far as you know. If they're you're on the same job, they all find out about it, and and it just just you know every when they hear that news, it really um, works on them. And and I think there was another story where there was a lady. She was like 40 some years old, and she was pretty high position. Like she had a lot of people under her in, in a hospital. And she is up and committed suicide because they're, yeah, they, they have no, if they don't have Jesus in their hearts, like they don't have anywhere to turn to and like stuff like this. Like I think fear is what's really killing people. A lot of times, like it's, um, people are so scared. I think if we can show them love and show them hope, Mm -hmm. that's what's really worth it. Wow. Yeah. That, that would be just such a huge kick in the gut facing a disaster and then the people beside you are just giving up yeah crisis does reveal our true colors in a lot of ways Um, props to you guys for being loving people in normal times and it just shows up when there is a crisis i was gonna ask if like there's anyone you wanted to shout out to or hey (laughs) yeah um, we should definitely shout out to like will and and Will Jimmy, King. Jimmy Oberholzer. Oh yeah. Will King and Jimmy Oberholzer. They were they were part of Team Alpha, and then also the team that's on the ground right now, mm. Team Bravo. Yeah, someone replaced after you left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and also to all the people that worked, um, I call it stateside or back home in PA that <laughs> kept us running their support list and just all the people that were behind us. It really meant a lot and we, could, we wouldn't have been as successful without them. So shout out to all them. And yeah, we had a great time in New York City. The place we stayed at, we had an awesome um, time meeting people. And our another thing that our another story from our landlord, we uh, decided like to cook bacon because we're men, and we like to cook burgers because <laughs> I guess we're men. And we had a habit of setting off our fire alarm a lot. <laughs> and sadly, we didn't even <laughs> notice it while we were up there. No, but. <laughs> a, the next team after us found the sign that was put up in our honor that said along the lines of danger men cooking. So (laughs) (laughs) that was kind of, I don't know. I don't know if I should be proud of that or sad about that, but you left from what I, we left our mark in New York city for sure. That's cool. How long will the team definitely? The team, <clears throat> part of the team is back home already. The last people on the ground from our organization will be leaving on May the 23rd. Okay. Nice. Huh. Talk about some real heroes. Oh, the team on the ground, talk about some real heroes. They um, they really picked up on like the grocery boxes. They uh-huh. sent them, um, I think the one week, they had over 2,000 boxes in, in one week. So like they definitely did us in delivering more grocery boxes. Um, they they did, however, quit. The, they scaled down on the meals for healthcare workers. Okay. But just demand shifted. Very down. great. Yeah, I'm just just because the uh, the need kind of they're in New York City. They're kind of over the peak now, and I guess the need isn't as great. Um. But yeah. The team, the team Bravo is definitely, they are heroes as well. Oh, good for that. And one other thing, um, do you guys want to give like a quick elevator pitch for Live Team? If you feel God calling you to a different country or even maybe our country, a different city in our country, and you would like to go explore it, come to Live Team www.live-team.org. You can also find us at Kingdom Channels, www.kingdomchannels.org. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully they can work with that. Thank you.